to down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode 50. That's that's 50 episodes of this thing that you guys have listened to that I've made. 50. That's many. That's more. It's it's more than a few. Anyway, we're here. We're joined by the wonderful, the intrepid, amazing Mitch Pelham. I've put him down here in my notes as returning veteran and woe bestower, Mitch Pelham. <laughs> How do you feel about those monikers, Mitch? Um, I mean, woe bestower feels a little chaosy for me. Um, <laughs> But other than that, I mean, I, 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 I hope it's more of the uh, the the bringer of skews, maybe. That's true. Um, well, I, I, I coined that one because you are not necessarily a gentleman. Well, one of the list you're most re- two of the list you're most renowned for is the was it the fifteen hellhounds or whatever that was. Well, it, it started at twenty one, and we found <laughs> yes. the sweet spot was like. 12 to 14 with a lot of blood angels for the full CP battery. Yikes. I was most and then, yes. amused by 16 though, Mitch. Yes. Yeah. 16 oh, was no a really good amused. number too. No <laughs> yeah. one was amused. Let's not, let's not pretend anyone apart from Mitch is amused. And then on top of that, you are definitely one of the instigators, if not the prime agenda of the Castellan list. That was the tormentor of many. And that's where the Robestower, I believe, earned his name. Um, and then we're also enough. joined by the amazing Colin Sherman, who I've called a well-rounded troubadour uh, in, <laughs> that in means my show that, notes. That means you keep cigars in me. Is that right? I, I thought a troubadour was somebody. It was, it was uh, an entertainer. I didn't, somebody. I didn't know this was the adjacent show where we we're going to be talking about the Clinton administration. Uh. <laughs> he was also a, a very much a troubadour. Uh, yes. <laughs> but anyway, these two gentlemen come from the wonderful, uh, the amazing uh, Best in Faction podcast, of which I am personally a patron and have been for many years. And uh, you should be too if you do not know about it or have not heard about it. But well, this is the Art of War Down on podcast. Sorry, this is a two part podcast. You can find this first one lovingly curated and produced by me. Adam Camilleri coming out to your wonderful wavelengths uh, Eastern Standard Time 4am on Tuesdays and otherwise you can find the part 2 of this one over on uh, the Art of War 40k where you can purchase second part of this in addition to the second part of the brand new wonderful Art of War Unbroken and the regular Art of War podcast uh, and you can also find us over on Patreon Art of, War, uh, Art of War 40k down under you can find us there and all those wonderful things but enough about me I pushed that out as quickly as I could hopefully you could keep up if not no problems you could hear it every time you hear my dulcet tones on this podcast tell us about Biff Pod gentlemen do we have to talk that quickly because that's never exhausting. no one ever has to talk this quickly I do it just because I like to push my own little plugs as fast through the system as possible Mitch, do you want to talk about BiffPod? Sure, I'll talk about BiffPod, and you can do Charity Hammer. Uh, so, Best in Faction is a competitive uh, for, uh, Warhammer 40k podcast. We've been around for, like, what is it, three years, four years now? Um, we uh, were one of the first podcasts to really start doing deep dives into competitive matches where we would mm-hmm. go through our entire tournament um, uh, like ga- set of games between you know two or three of us when we went to an event and really break down the the different combinations, how they worked, and how they played on the field, and what what could have gone better, or what you know, we tried to make everything more accessible. And from that has sprung a community um, in the BiffPod uh, Patreon Discord that I would say is actually the real benefit of anything that's going on more than the podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, we, but we, we uh, bi-weekly, we, we cover other events. We try to get winners of major events um, when we can get them. And we talk about the uh, events we go to. And it's just a lot of 
really hopefully insightful and explanatory um, instruction on the different lists you're seeing and why they're good and how they interact so you can actually show up to a tournament informed and have a better time. um, We've also been doing a lot more focus um, lately on just how to be a better person at the table, right, of how to be a better opponent and just how that applies to you know to everyone just in general but even when mm. we're away from from the table yeah wonderful sentiment um, and wonderful content to put out there i've i've liked those episodes quite a lot so and on top of that we also do charity <laughs> well i will say that i looked it up because mitch asked and i didn't know the answer uh we just passed our third birthday <laughs> it turns out wonderful Woo. congratulations we are at episode 90 so i've been focused on trying to figure out what we're going to do for episode 100 and maybe, but maybe that focus distracted me from our birthday, Mitch. But uh, well, that happens. Happy birthday! <laughs> Congratulations! Yeah, tell us about Charity Hammer. Um, interesting yeah. thing on the horizon, and something that's synonymous with you, gentlemen. Yeah. So about two years ago now, uh, I got together with Nick Nanavati from Art of War, and I said, we, we basically, I basically said, you know. People like watching Warhammer streamed, and uh, but there isn't a lot at that time, especially. But there wasn't a lot of high-end competitive streaming, and we had the idea of doing what is effectively a 40k slumber party at my home, where we get the best players we can to come out. And when we say the best players, we mean people that have really won things and have been successful. But it's not just that we in, we're very careful about who we invite and. Um, it's a, a lot of it has to do with the, how good of an ambassador to the game they are. Mm. We want people who are going to be amazing on stream, wonderful people, easy, eager to teach, eager to help, and also incredibly good at the game. And so we get a group of those people over, and we basically run three streams. Uh, this year we're doing three streams for 70, uh, 73 hours. Yeah. So, wow. So, uh, yeah, all three streams start will start at uh, three o'clock Pacific, and um, I'm just going to give you the times in Pacific. Google Google current time Pacific time zone, and that'll help you out. Um, anyways, three o'clock Pacific. Uh, sorry, two o'clock Pacific. Excuse me. On Thursday, the jeez, uh, uh, I said this so many times. Fifth <laughs> of August, and then uh, we'll run from that Thursday afternoon all the way to Sunday afternoon at three o'clock, seventy-three uh, hours later. And we'll have three streams going. Uh, we will do a single elimination GT with 32 uh, excellent players. We'll do a, um, a a pretend 5v5 to show you guys not only how team tournaments work, but also we're gonna mm-hmm. put, we're gonna put the uh, the team the team selection and the list the list vetting and the strategy and the pairing. We're gonna do all that on stream. Awesome. Uh, it looks like we're going to have an orc codex right before. So we're doing an, we're doing a, a tournament called what's wog got to do with it. <laughs> uh, the, I thought I knew Adam would like that. I was, I was excited to, uh, I was excited yeah. to, to lob that one at. Yeah. Um, so anyways, and when we're not doing that, we just put people on stream all day, all night. Hmm. Um, it is free. You can find it on, uh, well, actually the easy thing is just to go to charityhammer.com. All the links are there. But uh, Art of War is one of the streams, and our stream, Biff Pod, is another. And the third is the third longtime sponsor, which is Can Hammer. Uh, so the three, of us all, mm. the three of us all do that. And so you can come give it a watch. Now, why are we doing this is the important part that I, I, I almost missed. Uh, we do this for charity. Uh, there's a charity called Child's Play. And Child's Play um, makes sure that children's hospitals have toys and video games and things for kids 
while they're to basically use while they're there. It's a really big deal. I'm a parent mm. of a kid like that that was in that situation. And uh, while I wasn't in his life at the time, my wife has talked extensively about how difficult it was taking him to those children's hospitals uh, visits. So uh, it's really a big deal. Now, I did notice today in preparing our website uh, that uh, Child's Play also is doing um, is also giving things to uh, uh, domestic abuse shelters as well now. Amazing. So. So in case we weren't, we didn't care enough about sick kids, we're going to add uh, battered women to the list of, of people that do absolutely need help. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, that, so that's what Charity Hammer is. We don't require you to do anything, but you can just watch all the content. But if you'd like to donate, it means the world to us. Over the past absolutely. three years, we've raised about $40,000 for, uh, I should say $40,000 American, uh, for charity. And, uh, we're just so excited to do it again. Our goal this year is we'd like to raise $20,000. So um, if we can do that, Mitch and a bunch of other people that have I've never seen without a beard are all going to shave their beards live, <laughs> which I think sounds really great. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what's going on. Oh, I should mention the one last thing. You know, we wanted this to be really fun. And in order to be really fun, you have to do a little bit of a little bit of trying to win something. So mm. um, the more you donate, the more raffle tickets you get. There's also going to be trivia throughout the weekend, also raffle tickets. Uh, we gave away thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. of the product at the last one, uh, and we'll be doing that again. So you can also like, win some stuff. We're not we're not talking. Oh, cool! Here's your little clam pack. Thanks for thanks for talking. We, we whole a whole Necronomic got given away. A whole pro painted Necronomic given away last year. That's In true. Addition, it's just thousands of dollars worth of premium stuff. Like it's actually really good stuff they give away. In addition, you're never going to feel guilty or shameful about throwing a couple of bucks their way. It all goes to an incredible cause. Um, and so yeah, I, I'm a huge supporter of Charity Hammer in any freaking way I can, and I'm lucky enough to be one of the streamers that's going to be there. Unfortunately, I can't be there in person, but yeah, we've got a cool team uh, we're putting together to stream all the content on top of that, which is going to be multinational. <laughs> we've got some people in the uk as well coming on board and so yeah it's just really exciting to try and bring people together when we can't be together to uh do something amazing like this and all props go to colin and his team um for you know putting this initiative on our radar and being a real instigator of change and goodwill um built from our community which i think can do so much for so many all right i, I know my wife would kill me because this is a big thing with charities if i didn't say not a single dime that's donated goes mm. to us yeah, we not one cent. Not one cent. We run the thing out of our pocket and then and then and then donate every penny of the of the money. So there we go. All right. And freaking fantastic. All right. Let's go into our episode. Today we are here to talk about effective practice and the absorption of knowledge in our ever-evolving, ever-changing game of 40k. So the, the the first we'll start with um effective practice. And the reason I reached out to these gentlemen is these guys are really uh, uh, some clever man coined them or described them as the uh, show your thinking podcast. And uh, that's the reason they're able to show their thinking and deep dive into their thoughts and feelings behind the actions and what they bring to tables and how they play is because they put a lot of thought into their practice. They put a lot of thought beforehand into the ways that not only they conduct themselves, but the way they they, they would like to play the game. And, um, you know, there's, I, I hope, I'd hope, I'd hoped we'd have Chuck on here as well because he brings a very unique experience and is like the the third wheel on this rickety biff pod train. But our good man, Mitch and Colin, are no slouches in any way. And they bring two different sides of the same coin, um, especially when it comes to practice. Mitch is uh, somebody who was very, very well known at the um, the start and middle of 8th edition and then kind of dropped off and has made a huge resurgence back into the game, um, we, uh, you know, wielding a powerhouse like Admech. And I want to quickly start off with Mitch. 
what's your experience with practice, with practicing to play the game? Do, are you somebody who gets a lot of reps in, gets a lot of games in, does a lot of 40K here, there, and everywhere? Um, I don't get to play a lot of practice games, actually. Um, pre, uh, previously, when I uh, played competitively, I would play games in my head um, yep. while I was uh, at work. Uh, I worked in construction, and so there was mm. a lot of time I could, you know, I had uh, kind of like my my uh, my motor skills were occupying one part of my brain, and that freed up another part to just kind of, I, and I could just go through game after game of like positioning and re-rack mm. and like, okay, how, you know, if, if one, if someone goes first here, what's their most likely movement? How are they going to push forward? How am I going to counter, you know, and because something that uh, I think that people get caught up in is thinking of games as these like really long drawn out like things where really they're each turn is its own thing and it's its own set of decisions and they're all reactions to something else that you did and and a lot of it comes to comes down to you know are you operating from a plan that you set out to and are you deviating from that plan Mm. so are you reacting out of a out of a win or are you you know are, are your reactions in line with the plan you've already set up to execute try and stay in the game yeah, but there is a, there's a lot to unpack with what you've just said, especially the, the whole playing games in your mind. And we've got two different headings in which to discuss this under. The first one being the different forms of practice, and then there's the non-gaming practice. Now, what you're talking about there is what I call mind games, like literally running over scenarios in your head. Um, and that's a it's a deep thing to unpack. And it's not something that I hear talked about all that often as a legitimate way to get better at the game or to build. It's kind of building muscle memory in, in a kind of a way without actually having to go through the the, the motions but um jumping over to, to to colin how do you practice i know you're somebody i feel like you're more of a rep man like you smash out the games but by all means jump in i find that and we'll talk about this later as we get to non-gaming practice i find that when i think through the matchup i play both sides too well like i'm <laughs> it's difficult for me to not just wreck myself with whatever the opponent's army is and i'm trying to figure out how to overcome Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and then when I'm actually at the table at a game that's actually challenging me, I, I'm someone who is susceptible to cognitive tunneling, which is the, the, um, there's, it's basically the idea that when you're in a pressure situation, you're not actually remembering the thing that you, you're not actually doing the right thing because you're so busy focused on the fact that you're in this emergency situation that you're not mm. thinking calmly about how you want to respond. So for me, if I've been in that situation before, I'm likely to do very, very well in it again. I typically only need one time. I only need to make a mistake one time to not make that mistake again, usually, when it yep. comes to the game. So for me, I want to play not just the army I'm working on, but all armies. And I want to mm. play a lot. And I want to play as much as I can. I want to see every scenario. And I want to see every situation. And I want to have an index of that that I can call upon uh, when I'm at the table. So to say that it's different from the way Mitch has been approaching it, I think is fair. I think, <laughs> I think that's a fair, fair thing. <laughs> I think it's reasonable. Awesome. So let's just quickly break down a couple of different forms of actually practicing a game, and then we'll discuss them. So I've actually brought, when I had to think about this and think about writing this in my show notes, I had to break it down into four different things. There's practice games, as in you just, you just it's like a garage game. You're just playing practice game. You're just th- trying out something. You don't know if it works. And usually a practice game, what I call a practice game, quotation marks, is a game that goes most of, if not all the way to the, to a natural conclusion. Like you'll play it all the way through. You won't stop and talk it out at any point. You'll just play every round to see what happens. Uh, a rep 
I'm going to call this a rep in, in, in quotation marks as well, is a game where you play to, and you're trying to play to a conclusion, trying to play to a certain turn. Like you just mm-hmm. want to see deployment in turn one for against mm-hmm. Admech, deployment in turn one with Admech going first, deploying turn one, Admech not going first, et cetera, et cetera, and trying to mm-hmm. maneuver to get a result. And I call that a rep. And then there's tournament practice. And that's like you practice as if you're going to a tournament. There's you know, fewer, you, you know, you set some terms around what take backs are available. Um, and you play hard and fair to a, a natural conclusion as well. And then there's vetting. Now, vetting is one I've chucked in recently because it's only something that I've started having a concept of myself. Vetting is when you have, say, a unit of repenture and you want to see what it can do. And so you have your mate come over, you chuck it on the board, and then you just literally play with a couple of units. Like it's a 500-point game. You're not, you're not building an army list. You're just playing with a unit or two and just trying to get the measure of it. What can it do? Where can it reach out mm-hmm. to? What's its threat ranges, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm, I'm coining that as vetting. Now, these things might have different names for different people, but uh, and you might call it whatever you call it at home. But this is what I've decided to call it for this thing. Now, I want to quickly hit it over to Mitch and ask what he gets the most value of from those four things, and then we'll hit it over to Colin. So for me, I the thing I get the most value from is actual competitive games, um, like at a tournament. I find I cannot do a practice game for a tournament. My competitive switch doesn't just does not come on. And if it does come on, I become a, pa- a bad opponent for, for, for practice for mm. the person I'm playing with. So practice games have a certain amount of use for me, and, and like I, I 100% do them. But the return there is limited for me in the sense of I know that if I'm not in that competitive environment, I am going to behave differently. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do a lot of um, understanding the different scenarios. Um, I've built out um, cardboard rings that show like how much space is nine inches plus a 30, you know, centered around the 32 millimeter base. And you can take those and you can set them around and be like, okay, this is how much space uh, a squad of admech infiltrators, uh, you know, does all right. That's a forty mil base in that case. But like, mm. you can start to ge- once you start to visually think about units in all of their range bands simultaneously, and so then you can kind of visually move them across the board, understanding all of those. Um, and like the same thing, you can move them across the board in your head of like, okay, my range, I have an eight inch movement range band combined with a twelve inch pistol range band, giving me this effective movement you know, for X, um, for like infiltrators for my wrath of Mars threat. Yeah. Range. And, and, but then I'm like, okay, but also those infiltrators have all these other utilities of, if I string them up in this way, I can get the maximum amount of screening. And what yep. does that look like on the board? And I'm like, okay, that's two thirds of, of, you know, five of the six deployment zones we deal with, you know? So I'm like, okay, so in table corners, two squads is all I ever need. And I can zone out everything. Hmm. So uh, it's, it's for me, it's for getting all of those, little details worked out ahead of time so yep. when i'm at the table i already know those things so that i'm able to then effectively deploy the unit and um and then for me the uh i actually uh like the um i rarely uh, i i rarely would get the chance uh when i was playing earlier on um mm-hmm. before i was injured to play like multiple events really close together Yep. which is happening right now with admech and so that's sort of a new process for me of mm. getting all of these competitive reps really quickly that was not something i was getting as much 
um, other than like RTTs. But again, that's a very different environment for the quality of games you're getting. So, mm. you know, unless you end up playing Colin, which I, I always did. So that worked out. But like, <laughs> other, otherwise, like they're, 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 there's diminishing returns there. So, yeah, that's the other part of it is, is it's very easy to um, contaminate your own results by limiting your, your your player pool by playing against the same people. And it's like, okay, you figured out how to beat them with the, your army. That doesn't mean that necessarily your army is good. You just know how to beat that person right now. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, I'm going to come back to you with, with something uh, in a moment, but I want to hit over and see what Colin's got to say on these these four talking points and where he, where he finds the value. Uh, so I tried doing some of the vetting that you described uh, mm-hmm. back before COVID, and I found that for me, uh, I need to see the whole thing. I need to see the whole yep. map. So I doesn't. I didn't get a ton out of that. I understand the value of it. I do sometimes roll out interactions because I think that sometimes math doesn't tell you the whole story. You need to yeah. actually. Yeah. You need to actually see what nine shining spears into a knight is like, right? Back in the back back in the day, mm-hmm. um, you just need to like. I know that now, like knowing that gene stealers are going to average nine wounds into a knight isn't as useful as actually doing it ten times and seeing what it looks like. Um, so there's that. Um, for, uh, reps, we used to do quite a bit of that. Um, we used to call the game as soon as we thought there was nothing left to learn. Mm. And that was actually wrong for us. Um, we, we've discovered that if we take those games and we play them out, occasionally we have an upset that we didn't expect at the end. And both, and, uh, my friend group, but Chuck and I in particular who practice a lot together, we both think that there, the, the place that we both need to learn the most is deployment. The very start of the first turn, and I don't even mean the full first turn. I mean like movement on the first turn. Yeah, like yeah. the very beginning. This is my plan, and then like turn four, like that's where we most need our practice. That's because, interesting. really interesting. Because if I'm going to lose a game, just and this is this is just what it what this is just what kind of happens at some point. If I'm going to lose a game, it's going to be about like seven points. I'm unlikely. Yep. I'm unlikely to lose a game by by seventy unless I'm in a matchup where. I wasn't at all prepared for their list, which happens. Yeah, but yeah. In, which happens. in which in which case, no decisions you make on turn four or turn one are going right. to make much of much of a difference to a seventy point deficit. Yeah, right. I either, me- I either about- messed up the beginning, yeah. or I messed up, or I messed up at what I brought. Right. Those exactly. are the options. Yep. So we find the games are really close. Well, a five five point game or a seven point game or an eight point game in current forty k it means play all five turns. That's what that means. Because typically, especially with the bottom player going um, uh, scoring at the end of the round in mm-hmm. five, there's a the fifth turn. I've had a bunch of games that I didn't know who was going to win going into the fifth turn, right? So I so now what we do is we do practice games where with yep. as many take up take backs as, as we want. We met and all of my friends are like this. We manage our own take backs in a way like. The, we'll always say, go ahead and take that back because hmm. he wouldn't have done that. And and then we yeah. decide whether that it, makes sense or not. And the reason we do that is because all of us have played enough tournament games that we don't need to feel what it's like to not be allowed to take backs. We don't need that stress. Yeah. yeah. What what we also what I also don't need is a two hour game against Admech that doesn't matter anymore because I misdeployed my army on the first turn. Exactly. Right? And that, that's that's I think that's for me is the kicker. Like you don't want to invalidate your practice by making a simple clumsy mistake and then all of a sudden three hours of hard work is out the window, you know? Exactly. And you're frustrated mm. the whole time. Like well, I, some people need that. Some people need that mm. though. Some people need that feel bad in order to learn the lesson. I don't happen to. So for me, it is I would rather do the take back and continue and, and continue with the game and see what else there is to mm. learn. Sorry, Mister. Do you have something to say? 
Well, no, I was going to say, I think that there is, there's a fine line there of like the, all, all, the other part of it is, is take backs or in a practice game should always be fine in the sense of like, Oh, that loses me the game. If I do that. Okay. Mm. I know that now, obviously I'm not going to do that because <laughs> I now know it loses me the game. Right. So like there is there like there is that kind of thing of like that that flexibility to to re rack or rewind or undo is important for like the lessons are the mistakes like that's mm. what you're mining for we're not going there to be like oh no mistakes here zero yeah. flaws in my game let's go conquer the world like that's not that's not the point of this so mm. like if you're not finding issues then you're then the problem is is probably how you're trying to identify them. And and yeah. why are you pra- yeah. why are you practicing if you if you make if you make zero mistakes like you know <laughs> you're well, perfect you don't need to practice go win every event um, you're there I, to make mistakes and to realize them see them address them right and I think you also play and I think you also the practice game over a tournament practice for us at least I also am not at all interested in my opponent waiting for the end of the game to give me feedback. Like I'm not at all interested. No, yeah, in that. yeah, yeah. I want to know, true. especially if I've messed up bad on the first turn and they see it. I want to mm. know right then. I want to know right then what I've done wrong, and I want to talk about it. And I want to talk about it even if it means that yeah. we have to wait a, a little while before we can continue playing. Like mm. <laughs> that, that's so the value to me. Here's a question for you guys: How do you find the difference between a practice game and a tournament practice? Well, I, w- I was presuming that by tournament practice you meant playing like you would in a tournament, which would be like no take backs yep. and yep. things like that. That's that's well, what that means for me. But it also to me means I'm taking something that I would take to a tournament. Because a lot of times um especially this goes this I suppose vetting and practice games can go in the same kind of subheading. I'm taking stuff where I'm not sure they're worth taking to a tournament in those games. Like I'm like I need to find out if this is worth investing in. I, I a prime example for me was I played um a chief librarian with three redemptors. And I was like, is three redemptors where I can give them a five plus invuln from the chief librarian worth taking to an event? And so I vetted just th- I vetted just <laughs> yes. that bubble versus things like chicken walkers <laughs> versus things like, you know, but yeah, you, you put it up against the stuff that you think like will knock it down. But you'll just be like, oh, well, if it goes second versus chicken walkers, it's just dead. But you need to put some terrain on the table and do some maneuvering to actually get a feel for it. Because like, well, I can hide two of these redemptors. Does that change what the outcome is going first or going second? Uh, mm-hmm. Or if, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I suppose that's what I want to try and I, I wanted to try and define for people in case people are getting uh, confused. Oh, what is the difference? Uh, practice game, tournament practice, same thing. Thing. Now I want to jump so, over to Mitch. Well, hold on. Sorry. Let me, oh, sorry. Yeah, go go ahead. Ahead. No, I was just going to comment on that differentiation. For what we do is instead of having those names for it, we literally talk through where we're at in our lists. Everyone That's that fair. I play with, yep. nobody comes over and says, "This is what I want to play," and I say, "Well, this is what I want to play." If I'm playing mm. a practiced S tier tournament army, they are going to as well. Yeah. Or, or and or it's not useful practice for either of us. So I just wanted to to riff on that that you should talk to your practice opponent about what they're trying to get out of the game and what where what, what level their list is at. That's, that's yeah. I don't really have time for anything other than like practicing with the like with the hardest Smash Mouth things I can come up with. Yep. Right, right now. Um, that's fair. That is fair. I suppose I suppose horses for course as well. I've I've tons of friends i try and keep my circles pretty diverse i have tons of friends who don't want to play against me playing my the best literal best army that i can i can bring to the table they want to be like ah, oh, i'm i've just got the i've only i only own 2500 points of tuners adam please take that into account when you when you bring your list and i'll be like done very much done my friend and then i have my other friends who'll be like oh we're practicing for this team tournament yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna try and absolutely break your face and he's like yeah i'm gonna try and break yours too and we're like perfect <laughs> um 
But so uh, I wanted to touch over on something that Mitch said about five minutes ago now and about how he learned what kind of player and how he gets the most out of practice. And I want to talk, ask about that journey a little bit. How did you learn what works for you? Um, lots of trial and error, uh, mainly. But um, I would say that for me, I... I got into the competitive scene just by the nature of I was working at a game store and they needed a 40k guy for the yep. to connect with the community and and I said well I I use you know I played that when I was younger I, mm-hmm. I those those seventh edition gray knights seem really cool I'm like I'm sure I'm not <laughs> going to hear about how broken they used to be at all um, <laughs> but uh, and I and so I kind of got into it that way and then um, the people who I I fell uh, I kind of fell in with all were the more competitive minded people in the game. And that, that worked out for me when I was playing like battle tech and other tabletop games, I had always skewed towards the competitive side. Yep. Love it. And uh, so that was just sort of where it started and it became, and for me, I would just, I was always the kind of person who I'm like, okay, let's just, I want to take a bunch of what I like and and make that everyone else's problem. So that started with like Imperial Guard flyers where I was running like mm-hmm. 11 or, or 14 of them. Um, I don't remember. Wow. And then fire raptors and then hellhounds. And, and just that was always just the way for me was to mm. like, okay, what's the interesting weird skew that people don't want to play. But then at the same time, I would also run uh, like the black mains uh, yep. formation, which was a really board control heavy list. And that was when I realized all of these skews I do, they're really about board control. I'm just throwing hellhounds across the board at you. And now I have a lot of, I can interact mm. with you in a lot of different ways. And that yeah. was what I liked in an army was a lot of options for how to interact with you. And so that, that informed, you know, my, my list design going further and, you know, and it just, and, fr- and it just kind of was thing after thing of, okay, well, how can I do that more? And like, I really found with Catachans, I was like, oh, cool. Like d- dudes are dying everywhere, but it's really fun. And I really like mm. controlling the board this way. And I like being able to punch back. And it, it it's really been just Imperial board control ever since. And that, I know I know that's what I like. And I know that's what I play really well. So I like a horde and I, I just tend to accept that. And it may not always be the best thing, but it, it, it should always be good enough to get me, you know, like a, you know, four and one or, you know, three and two at worst. Yeah. And that's a good time. No, fair enough. And uh, we have gentlemen over here who are of the same mindset that if you can't, like, if you are not going to play the best army in the game, uh, playing a horde of something always gives you that, that punch's chance of just outscoring, outplaying, outmaneuvering. And I, I feel like that's exactly right up your alley, mate. Um, Colin, how did you learn how you got the most out of practice? Like, how, same question uh by doing things and looking back certainly not by figuring out and looking forward um okay so (laughs) i and i'm actually um it's interesting over the past couple days a few things have come up that have made me kind of think about the way that i learn and uh this is helping me further dig into that which is interesting Mm. so when we talk about non-gaming practice we'll talk about this in particular but i am a people learner above all other things um, my, yep. for me, talking through a concept with another human being is, uh, is 10 times more valuable than anything else, than reading about it, than researching it, than scribbling down notes and brainstorming it. I'm, I'm a, my brain is social first. So, mm. um, so playing the game with other people is also the only way I can stay engaged. 
Fair. So, well, let, let's let's move on yeah. to non game Let's let's push this oh, yeah. forward then. It sounds like we've got yeah. some awesome stuff to get to. So non-gaming practice. So I've, I've broken this down into a couple of headings as well. Discussions with like like-minded or same faction peers. You know, as I'm sure many of us try and collate those groups. And they're not. You know, we're not trying to build echo chambers. We're trying to build places that people share share passions. Um, reading, reading, reading slash study. As I, as I've mm-hmm. broken down. Um, Cross checking and then mind games. And I've just added that last one in due to what Mitch said right at the start about running through games in his mind and finding that valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll start. I'll start with you, Colin. Of those, where do you find? You've already said you find the value of that interaction with peers, and do you find that because they debunk your thinking, that they 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 kind of vet what you think is good? You'll go out and say, "Ah, oh, I think I'm onto the next hot thing," blah blah blah, and then they'll start trying to poke holes in it, and that's how you figure out where the lines are, or or is there something else to it? I think that's helpful, but it's earlier than that for me. Um, yep. It's easier for me to understand the power of a codex by talking to someone about how that codex works than it is for me to continue reading. Um, I I like to read, but I read the book, and then I immediately want to talk about everything I've seen and why it's neat and how it works and what it interacts with and how it's Mm. going to function. And I want to do that kind of... I want to talk as much about that as I can. And I'm more interested in that conversation than I am in, do you think think X unit is good? Mm. Uh, Do you think X unit is good is, is neat too and can be very helpful? But the problem is that it's our, it's very dependent upon the list it's in and the matchup yeah, you're on and the yeah. train you have in your meta and all of that stuff. So I find that uh, with I need to watch other people play, like watch battle reports. I yep. need to talk to other people about um, what they're doing and how it's working and what lists are good and why they're good. And I, I need I want also like to ask questions like, have you played that into AdMech yet? What did mm-hmm. that AdMech list look like? Was that played by a competent player? How did that go? I'm worried about this when it comes to your game. What do you think of that? That all of that is all of that is how I learn. And the reason why it was interesting to stumble upon to think about this today is um, we talked about on the show recently that we are in trying to gather personal awareness. I went and asked some of my 40k friends what I'm good at in 40k, and mm. one of the answers I got was this very articulate answer from. Um, uh, Tyler Bortel, one of our our patrons, where he said that he really likes that I'm able to get feedback and information from a huge group of people, but then I decide mm. which parts are useful to me. There you go. And so a lot of people would see that as possibly a negative or saying, oh, it's hubris, you're just prideful or whatnot. But you're saying that you just actually like, okay, well, that's not quite what I asked or that's not relevant. That's actually what I'm after. And I can tell you right now, Colin is not someone who shirks. Uh, criticism um very 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 absorbive absorbsive skin um uh, but yeah sorry break that down a little bit more for us if you can so basically what the, what he's saying is that well it was part of a, a a backhanded compliment that was you have no problem jumping from army to army to take the most broken thing possible which mm-hmm. y- you could hear as oh you always take the most broken thing possible but i heard as you you know there's no darlings for you to kill you're just going to move on and it's going to be fine um so uh, what what do you what his feedback was is there's so much information coming at you and he what he was complimenting me on is saying that I'm good at hearing in that all of that noise what is the stuff I actually need that I can actually make my game better now how I do that mm. I can't possibly tell you I'm just accepting that that compliment's real because he meant because like that's the plain thing to do it sounds yeah. right though now that we talk about it further because Mitch is uh, play games in his head, do math, read the books, 
make templates and put them on the table. And I'm friends need to come over and I want to play with them. Friends need to be online so that I can talk to them. So mm-hmm. you've got the you've got the the way that Mitch learns and the way that I learn very yeah. with a great juxtaposition. That's really neat. This is exactly why I wanted you guys on here. Now, Mitch, yeah. tell us about the mind games. Tell us about how you structure that in your brain. Like, how does it work? For people who may never have thought of this before, give people the, the TLDR. Well, I mean, so again, it's it's about simplifying complex concepts so that instead of trying to go through all the tedium of like the game, you can just go with average outcomes to give you a relatively informed version, and then you can modify those outcomes if you yeah. want to see a skewed version, right? So if you think about, let's just take a, um, uh, a Mars infiltrator, right? Yep. 40 millimeter base. So nine inches off of that is his deny area. Um, it's also the area that there he's going to be able to infiltrate. That's how close he'll be able to be to things. He has an eight-inch movement. He has a twelve-inch pistol, and that's about. And then uh, you can't re-roll hits and wounds against him. So I can I, I can take all those things and I can stack them into a bunch of different range bands on a forty-millimeter base in my head, and you can set a bunch of those guys along the field, and all of those qualities are there. I don't need to really think about them past that. And then when I go, okay, I'm going to shoot. I'm like, well. On average, I should get around five mortal wounds from Wrath mm. of Mars. And yeah. I can just be like, okay, so if I do that, I should clear X number of a T3 screen or a T2 yep. screen. Yep. And and I have all of these basic things. And then I can start playing with modifiers. So modifiers being like plus one strength from uh, the access to Mars canticles or plus one strength from the stratagem or stacking those two. So now all of a sudden I'm like, okay, now I can actually make with Wrath of Mars, I can reliably kill a knight with one mm. squad of infiltrators. Um, Yikes! Like, but, but yeah, like, fair. But like the, those are. <laughs> it, it, but 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 all of that starts with understanding what the infiltrator does on the field and mm. all the different roles it's going to fulfill. So I, then I can start introducing in the scenarios of because I know it's going to be my midfield bully. What is a midfield bully going to encounter? Well, it's either going to encounter their hard hitters or their chaff. It shouldn't yep. be encountering, you know, those golden glass cannon units unless it's on their terms, in which case, th- do they die? Yeah. With no yep. rerolls, it really depends on your five ups. So, like, you, and then, so then I, now I know what this unit does, and I have all of these tools associated with it in my head already. So, you take, once you've done that with enough of the units in your army, you can then start take, using that. And um, I like to do it with opponents that I've played recently because I have those army rules fairly freshly in my head so i can give a pretty good simulation um so like uh ben cromwell's necrons are probably the the fate my favorite army i played against in the boise cup that's the that's um, the destroyer only necron army which i think the destroyer cult yeah very very underrated very underrated um and with that six inch movement there one of the key things there is there's no minimum to that six inch movement so that they can end with closer than nine inches to other models so you can't reverse screen them out yeah um that's a big deal um and what i was uh, what i said on biff pod was that if he had just had one of those units move six inches forward and um and and all of his other units moved to the back line like he did because he got he I, he didn't go first i would not have been able to to deep strike my my vanguard to take the middle of the table with the, mm, the with Lucius, relic, yeah. right so i only learned that by replaying the game in my head and I, it revealed to me, I'm like, I actually left myself open to to an issue there. And that is just, and also there's a certain amount of counterplay there that I just need to be aware of that I will not be able to 
participate in. And so I have to come up with a counterplay to that. Hmm. And so this actually it does it sounds more like you're you're vetting and you're having reps in your head rather than playing full games, yeah? Well, I, I, I can play full games. Well, I, I, I used to be able to play full games before my head injury. Now oh, I can't okay. do I can't do the full games anymore, but I do I can do smaller scenarios, but I'm getting there. It's it's just a, it's something that I hopefully can get back over time. So hmm. it's very interesting. Colin, did you do that at all? Like do you do it at all? Sorry, my can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah, I can. Okay. Uh, I've, it's been garbled for the past moment or so. Can you summarize what Mitch said? Uh, the mind games. I was pretty much ask, asking if, if that is something that you do. Do you ever run through scenarios in your head oh, or interactions? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, for yeah? sure. What do they and, look like for you? But I, my problem is that I do it out of anxiety as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have, to, yeah. I have to identify whether I'm doing it out of health or, or, or bad. Is it, health or harm? Is it, is it yeah? Is it two a.m. and I'm playing tomorrow and I know I've got this match and I'll be fine, but yet I'm thinking through the matchup nonstop for no reason, or yes. it, which is which is very Colin, by the way. Like Chuck is Chuck. If he was here, would be laughing right now because we we are <laughs> often roommates, and he'll go to sleep and I'll be on my phone and he knows that I'm just nonstop processing all the How information you, is going in and out of my head. Interesting uh, segue. How do you manage that? Poorly is the is the really oh, good answer. Okay. Fair. Um, well, no, whatever you find aside, a solution to that, I, please send it through. I'd, I, I'd love to love to say that. No, 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 no. I do have an actual You're answer. Um, for me, it's it, it's a it's a lot having to do with uh, having good sleep habits and getting off the phone and taking my evening uh, uh, medicine that helps me sleep and making sure that I've you know that I've said goodnight to my wife and like all the normal routine stuff. And then I just have to literally keep going back to thinking about other things. I just have to keep pulling mm. myself back. And much like if you've ever tried meditating, which is challenging for me, and I bet it's challenging for Adam as well. But uh, when you try meditating, really good, really good people will tell you, you have to be gentle with yourself when you get off topic. Mm. You can't be mean. It has to be, no, no, actually, we're not talking about that right now. We're going to think about this thing over here. No, yep. no, no. It can't be, listen, you stupid idiot. You're going to yes. be up all night with this. It can't be that. So yeah. um, to get back to the actual topic, though, I do think those things through. Uh, the problem, and I do that quite a bit when I'm driving somewhere. I'll be like, hey, how would this work and how would that work? And it's always about my next game. It's always about a matchup I know is coming up. I'm not able to to abstract it as much as Mitch is. Um, but what I've learned is that I'll often get myself worked up about a matchup more than I need to be because mm. I, I simply... I'm better at countering myself than I am at countering them when it's in my head, but I still do it. And I think yeah. it's, it's still valuable. Absolutely. I, I'm actually quite jealous of what Mitch is able to do. I wish that was something that I was proficient in or I found easy, even if it, it is at an impaired degree for Mitch, unfortunately. Um, but how much, so moving on to the next stop point here, Mitch, how much do you study? Cause you are, you are like the guy who, a, a treasure finder. You find the nuggets. You, you're the miner. You mine down. You find all the juicy stuff people have missed, and you exploit the absolute hell out of it. How much yeah. study read? Do, how much reading study do you actually do? Um, I read all of the books at this point. Um, <laughs> how much I, that I absorb really depends. I love there was no um, context to that. You didn't say codexes. You didn't say supplements. Yeah. Just all the books. He's all, not wrong. All the books. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, so there, there's there's a lot to absorb, and I'm usually just on the lookout for anything anomalous, right? I'm, I'm anything that that I'm like, oh, that works differently than it does anywhere else. Yeah. That's usually the the red flag of oh, this this is this is either a problem or something that that can be really useful. 
Um, like Inquisition is a great example of a lot of just really weird interactions. Yeah, absolutely. That um that are that I've been experimenting with quite a bit. I still haven't found a way to make them good, but you know that won't stop me from trying. Um, there's there's a lot of just well these days because of the Biffpod Discord, I can just be like, hey, uh, you know, everyone who plays Harlequins, what is the deal with this weird interaction? And I'll get Perfect. a very detailed thesis. About yes. um, with like who, with who the rules writer was, what their genealogy was, you know, like everything. Um, yeah, like and, and so that's very that's very helpful. But in general, it's there. Ha- the nice thing about ninth is it's just eighth with uh, a, a different set of objectives, right? Mm. Like there's a lot of a lot of the. A lot of the information has rolled over and it's just learning all the nuances again, basically. And it's like, oh, no, heavy cover works this way, not this yeah. way. Um, uh, and so that I would say that's a never ending process. I don't think I've um, yet um, ever reached a place in any edition of 40K where I'm like, yep, know it all. You can't surprise mm. me. There's always something new. And uh, when you have a reputation for enjoying those types of rules i get i get brought quite a few interesting interactions i was about to say i, I bet a lot of people throw things at you saying uh mitch have you have you heard about this have you heard about that like death riders from uh the, the krieg forge world uh, imperial armor was a, a great one that you threw my way You're like adam have you thought about death riders of you know death riders like, holy <laughs> sweet merciful crap where have these been on my life yeah now um, they got a point take because they I were know, too good they were winning everything <laughs> yeah exactly just outrageous um in a, in a standard week, Colin, how much time do you spend studying, reading, or researching? Studying, reading, or researching. Yeah, stuff in stuff about 40K, rules, interactions, units, well, codexes. Well under an hour. Nice. Is that because you prefer the discussion? Yes, and because I'm pretty good at remembering the things that I need to remember and, and, mm. and not prioritizing the things I don't need to know. So I can just look those things up when I need them. But like, I don't pull out a Drukari codex when I build Drukari lists. So that's, so your question is a little bit weird for me because I don't, I, I occasionally will go grab a book and read it front to front to back, but that doesn't take very yeah. long. Um, yeah. See, so I'll, yeah. I'll, apart from when I'm, you know, well, I was about to say, I never read one cover to cover. I'm like, Adam, you literally built a whole podcast on that. And I'm like, oh yeah, I did do that. Didn't I? Um, <laughs> But past you owned yourself weeks, there. I, I did. I told you all about it. It's just the kind of guy I am. Um, I will. I will have a stack of codexes next to me, kind of uh, at my workspace or my toilet, and I will just randomly like jump to a page and read about a unit pretty pretty consistently throughout a day. I'll be like, "The hell do flayed ones do again?" And I'll, I'll whip it open. I'll be like, "Ah, that's what they do." There you go. Um, well, I'll just pick up little bits of tidbits like that. I, sometimes I do it because I'm bored. Sometimes I do it because I need to get away from my work and I just need five mm-hmm. minutes of doing something completely innocuous. Um, is that something either of you guys relate to? Uh, Mitch? I was just going to say that I, um, about a year ago, I left a company that I had been at for 17 years and went to a new one and it's hard and it takes a lot of mental power. So like a year and a half ago, yes, all the mm-hmm. time. But I'm listening to you, and I'm being like, I think I did more than an hour of study a week before I had an actual hard job. I think that's the, I think that must have been the pivot. What point. are you saying? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've also done your job for a long time, so I think uh, it's a fair parallel. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And fair. so I think it is. So, but uh, yeah, so I, 
I do, however, occasionally just say, how come everybody's talking about this thing and go look it up? So I certainly feel mm. that. Like if I go into the Discord and everybody's like, I why is Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Mitch, blah, do you blah, have, blah, how do you find your, your nuggets of information? Good. Do you do you troll I'll look it up. <laughs> Perfect. Tell, tell us about it. Um, I mean there's not a day that goes by that I'm not cracking open a different book of mm. like, Oh, what is this rules interaction? Part of that is uh, TOing. You know, you get asked a lot of questions yep. and stuff. Um, part of that is just personal cur- curiosity. Um, for me, it's just like a, uh, like a sponge approach. I'm, you know, I immerse and I absorb as much as I can. There's, there's always going to be stuff. No one knows all of these rules, okay? The people making this game do not know their own rules, as well as some of the people who, who like, not. I'm not saying myself, but, like, there are, like, no one knows them all. And, and for mm. everyone out there who has ever made a rules mistake and beat themselves up, it's fine. It is fine. There are so many rules now. It is, it is as many rules as there was at the end of 7th. Um, yes. <laughs> it feels yes. like. Um between all the old books that haven't been updated yet to the new books to the new expansions um there's a lot it's just a ton and so it's never really done and i think that it's just like the best habit you can have when it comes to uh ru- like rules is don't don't just think you know it just check it again just like the, if and when and after you've checked it like three or four times and you it's right then you'll stop checking that thing and you'll start checking something else <laughs> Dude, well explained, and yeah, I appreciate it because I, I relate to that immensely, um, especially the constant study. Especially if I think I'm onto a good thing, if I think I'm onto, if, if I think um, uh, my most recent thing was um, Devout Push. I oh, read man. through. I think it was the first time I cracked. I I bought the ninth edition um, rule rule book when it came out. Barely touched the damn thing. As soon as Devout Push came, like as soon as I started getting onto Devout Push, I read through that movement section, those pilings, those consolidates, like four times, making sure what I planned to do was kosher. Um, and stuff like that, like you, you start snowballing once you think you're you're into something that excites you or that you're passionate about, or you really want to wield or use. And it starts like, oh, cool, I got to read five books to make sure I know what I'm doing, including FAQs and stuff. Um, we're going to move on. To- yeah, five. School, that's, school that's, light, that's a, that's a light school load there. That's a good day. That's a good yeah. day at the office. Um, moving on to our second topic, which unfortunately we're not going to be able to give its full due but, uh, because we're just going to be running a bit short on time. But this one's about absorb- absorbing knowledge, how we do it, how, how gentlemen of this caliber keep up to date with 40K and um, how they implement the things that they learn. I'll start, we'll start with Colin. How do you find it best to absorb knowledge? You've already said that you, you do it through discussions um, uh, with others. So you find that that connection um, with others that lets you absorb things best. And uh, how do you wield it once you have it? Or how do you figure out how you want to use that, that information? Well, first of all, I, I, I want to just quickly say that uh, when, I, when I told my friend to play Black Templars, I said, the first thing you're going to do is go find a really smart friend and spend an hour just talking about all the ways that Devout Push breaks the game. Because you yep. need to understand all of them, so I, just yep. thought, I thought that you just you would you might just enjoy that. I do. Um, That's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, just go. Don't even look at the other rules yet. Just go talk about devout push. Um, anyways, so uh, yeah, so for me, when I when I get new knowledge, I then have to explain it out loud to somebody mm-hmm. else, and to order to really master it. And the more I explain it, the better I understand it because I think my brain at its core is lazy, and. <laughs> And I think that when someone says this works, uh, like, the, like, can this guy, does this guy get minus one from the forest? 
And they mm. say yes. And I say, okay, great. And then later go, oh, I actually don't understand why that happened. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like I just accepted that the answer was the way I wanted it and moved on. And now it's two hours later. And now my brain's like, wait a minute. Now I'm curious. What was that about? So uh, that, so that, that's how that works for me. So it's all about being trying to be a resource to other people that mm. maybe haven't had the, the amount of play, game time I've had and, or haven't had the success I've had. I really value our discord group for asking questions and calling me out if the answer doesn't make sense. Right. Uh, so that's kind of like, how a, you, a, that's how you sharpen the knowledge is by people saying yeah. that doesn't make any sense when you explain something that you think makes perfect sense. So, and, and, and that Mitch and I automatically run off to it and get out and scramble and get all our books out and double check our thinking. You'll do like a verbal troubleshooting, like just into the ether. Yeah. Yeah, and I would also rather that somebody else look up the look up the nuance in seventeen <laughs> books than me, uh, because because I don't. It's quite have clever. The, it's quite clever. I, actually, I don't actually <laughs> I don't actually have a good a good memory for what rule is in what book. I'm not good mm, at that, that's and fair. I'm not good. At, and also, there's stupid stuff like which psychic awakening book was that in? They all mm. have silly names, and none of them are the factions that are in the, the book. The answer's always Pariah. <laughs> <laughs> okay is, is that because that's the one that has nothing in it <laughs> so let's just see how you guys do so adam which one is the tier are the tyrannids rules in uh um blood of baal um, no idea i think so yeah okay, okay cool. <laughs> <laughs> but that's but that's me right that's that's very yeah. much like i have a i'm very busy all the time and when I stop for a moment and I'm trying to understand something, I can never, ever find the stupid rule that I want to find. I never know what fact it's in. I think GW's rules are kind of a mess in that way. I can never just take five minutes and find it. The app is helpful, but it's still not the whole. It still doesn't get me everything I'm looking for. Fair. Um, jumping over to Mitch, uh, how did you absorb information best? And do you, like do, when you read a rule that you don't understand, do you read it 10 times? Do you ask a friend? Sorry, do you, do you phone a friend? Do you 50-50 it? Which uh, millionaire hot seat option do you take? I am very lucky to have access to like the LVO judges. Um, yeah, that's great. So so um, first I'll ask the BiffPod Discord, especially if I think I'm like, hmm, this seems like a dumb question. I'm going to make sure. But then if it's an actual legitimate question, then, I, then I'll escalate it usually to them. Mm. Um, I, I really want to – we've only got a couple of minutes left before we have to wrap up. But I really want to talk about this and put this, put this out there to people for a little bit of introspection. Um, and it's, this is no secret. You can you can look up this stuff in this net whatsoever, wherever you want. Maybe take some wacky quizzes to figure it out. But people learn in different ways, and I think that's one of the biggest things we've talked about. One of the biggest underlying themes of this episode so far. Everyone learns differently, and it's really important to understand how you learn as a person. With uh, uh, Colin and Mitch being the t- two of the most perfect examples I could find just about <laughs> anywhere. It's just really interesting they're on the same podcast and like live close together in the same gaming group and stuff. It's <laughs> bloody amazing. Um, whereas you know Colin. Is, I feel like is either auditory or kinesthetic in the way he learns. Either he needs to listen to it, hear it, vet it via verbal, either that or it's the connection, the feeling three process through your connection with others. Whereas Mitch is very more possibly auditory or um, whichever the visual one is where you just get to you just absorb knowledge through your eyeballs when you read things, which <laughs> I wish I could do. Um, I'm, I'm and for those I don't people, do I'm that. Like, no, it's auditory is my main learning uh, style. But yep. No, there are no audio books for codexes. So, uh, but there you is just a podcast talk about it with uh, there is a podcast off- called Underwater. Yeah. Under- That's why. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, you just you just talk uh, talk about it with your podcast co-hosts, and that that gets you about the same effect. There you go. And um, yeah, and I'm a I'm a very much a kinesthetic learner. I have to feel my way through something to get a proper understanding of it. Hence, like I need to I can't be told fire is hot. 
Like, I'll be like, are you sure? That doesn't sound right. And then I'll burn myself five or six times, which has been very problematic to my life. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, how, what are some good ways that you guys know of for how people can, in, in the realm and the spheres of 40K, figure out how best they learn and how best to excel or get better at the game and figure out how what modes fit them best? You got any ideas, Colin? I think that they should listen to the episode of our podcast where we talk about uh, building self-awareness. Nice. Um, yeah. Which I, which Mitch, is that the last one before this one? Is that what's that one? Uh, that one? I believe I so. Think so yeah. So it's episode eighty nine of our show. Uh, we talk through our experience at the team tournament that we went to, mm-hmm. and then we talk through self awareness. And the idea is how learning more about yourself brings happiness and brings success. Nice. And That's a lovely so, sentiment. So there's a lot of ways to do that. Obviously, the one I'm going to say is the people-related one because I've Mm. now been pigeonholed. Um, (laughs) So uh, you can go to your friends and you can have them help you with this. It's pretty easy, actually. Try different ways of learning new content and to see how you retain them. It's literally not more complicated than that. Try reading a codex and and then talking to someone about it and see how much you learned. Have them talk through the book with you, see how much you learned. Play some mm. games, see how much you learn. Like, just try to look at yourself and be kind because there's no point in being mean to yourself about this. Try to be kind yeah. and be like, I don't remember X. How did I learn that thing? Oh, I learned it reading. Okay. So, like, you know, and, and also go back um, in your memory to all of your life because you probably went to school. And you probably here, here's some- a. Uh, a clutch one. Ask your parents. Ooh, oh, what yeah. a good one. Yeah, yeah, like, that's actually a good idea. Like, like, if there's anyone who's spent a lot of time other than you trying to pull out their hair to figure out how to make you do your math homework, it's probably them. So, yeah. mm. no, that's actually her mom genius. comes back. Have you bribed yourself with cookies yet? Uh, you didn't learn nothing you're a dumbass stop talking to me (laughs) let's hope you don't get that response but anyway gentlemen on that note we will wrap this up unfortunately i I do apologize we might have to come back to the absorption of knowledge as a as a wider topic to give it its own like uh, our special in a month or two and i'll I'll see if these two gentlemen are after coming back on at that time but uh gentlemen thank you so much for coming on for this this part one we're going to go over and record part two which is literally just answering listener questions we have that many listener questions which is a fantastic problem to have um so if you do want to have the opportunity to ask questions of a gentleman like mitch colin myself and whoever else i managed to coerce uh blackmail or convince to come on my show uh please jump over to the art of war 40k.com sign up or head over to patron art of war down under find us sign on join in and on top of that please go over to BiffPod. um wait where can they find your podcast if they don't know where to go uh all of the places that you can find your find podcasts where you're going to find us it's called best in faction uh, and if you want to get our, the closest thing we have to a website with our news on it is our Facebook page. That's fb.com slash B-I-F-P-O-D. Fan-freaking-tastic. And where can people go to find out more about Charity Hammer and how to get involved? www.charityhammer.com. Could not be more easy, guys. Please <laughs> no. stay tuned. It's the first weekend of, of August, yeah? Yes, first weekend of August. Please join in, contribute where you can, donate if you can. And yeah, Colin, Mitch, thank you so much, guys. I love you both. And uh, yeah, thanks again for being on. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. 
Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow. Tomorrow.